At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, would you uh, come and speak to our hearts through your word, we pray. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Welcome. Um, You have arrived. And uh, I know it's still, we're getting used to the time difference from five to nine, and, uh, it, but well done for getting here. And with this morning, we start for the next six weeks a series on uh, the values of St. Bart's. Um, and it's a perfect time, and I know some of you may be visiting for the first time, to come and to join us as we start the year, as it were, just like everything seems to start twice a year following the schools, right? We start in September, maybe August, uh, and then again in January. And so we're starting afresh again to look at what the values are that undergird everything we do here at St. Bart's. And the first value is the one of authenticity. Authenticity, what does it mean to be authentic? That's kind of the the latest buzzword in the world today. We want the, the real deal. You know, I want the best possible coffee brewed in the best possible way so that I have the best experience first thing in the morning. When it comes to coffee, I'm an utter disappointment to everyone I have coffee with because my only requirement is that it's black, you know, and it's a dismay to those of you in the coffee, you know, to Chris, who knows exactly how to blend it and cook it and you don't even cook coffee, but there I see, I show you I'm a fraud when it comes to authenticity. Uh, and coffee. But when it comes to the authenticity in the faith, where do we start? And this is, this is the values. You can read this on the website. You can pull up your phone even now and, and go to the website. We'll have it in our bulletin next week so you can see. And this is where we start. This is what you notice when you look at the values of St. Bart's is that they all begin with God. And it's a recognition, it's a recognition that the God we believe in and we worship is the one who's always moving towards us. He's the one who draws us close, even before we knew he was there. He comes to us so that we might get close to him. And so our value of authenticity reads like this, God knows us and loves us. So we seek to be honest about who we are and we trust that in his grace, God loves us in our brokenness. I'll read that again. God knows us and loves us, so we seek to be honest about who we are, and we trust that in his grace, God loves us in our brokenness. And authenticity hinges on this word, trust. And what is, how do you boil trust down? Well, it's, uh, trust is all about making a decision based on what we know or on who we know. Um, I had left 
this is what, 20 years ago, I had left Canada, I had arrived in England to train for ministry, and uh, I always tell people that I, I make assumptions at my own peril. And uh, I realized shortly after arriving that during the uh, breaks between terms, they run a three-term school system which is inherently problematic for international students because during the breaks you have nowhere to live or nothing to eat. Well, you do if you, you know, but as a student, you know, you didn't. So um, I did the only thing I knew what to do. I went to the, the board, the, the notice board that was advertising short-term missions, and I signed up to short-term missions that were the longest possible, so they would put me up and they would feed me. And I found myself having just come into this experience of the love of God, and, and which was just utterly amazing and leaving on a short-term mission trip to the Channel Island of Guernsey. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, the, I, I didn't know how to ask the questions, what are we gonna be doing? Because I didn't wanna tell them I'd never been on a short-term mission. And I certainly didn't wanna tell them that I uh, never shared my faith publicly before. And so I was just trying to fake it, you know, just kinda uh, deflect the conversation and, and put up all of these signals that tried to convince that I knew what I was doing. And so when we, we got to Guernsey, and it's a bit strange, I don't know if you've ever been to Guernsey, um, but anyway, that aside, I'm being driven to my first event, which is a bowling event. And a little secret thing you might not know about me is I'm a very good bowler, right? You know, in Canada we play 10-pin uh, bowling, which is a small pins, which means that when I play your bowling, I could just crush it, right? So I didn't know anything about sharing my faith, I didn't really know what we were doing, but I knew that to be a good Christian, I was to lose at bowling. So we get to the bowling alley, and in England, bowling's taken to the next level, because at the center of the bowling alley is a bar. I walk in, the bar has got tons of people there just having a great time, and I think to myself, Thank you, Jesus, that they're not part of our group. And so we go bowl, and, you know, I lose, and, you know, I'm aiming for the gutters and gutter ball every time. And then they say, okay, it's time for supper. It's time for you to give your talk. I was like, talk? All right. And, um, you know, yeah, share your testimony about how you came to faith. I said, great. So we go into the, the dining area next door, and they said, let's just go get our guests. And <laughs> things went from bad to worse. Um, it gets worse as the story goes on. So everyone at the bar, they're all the guests who had no interest in bowling. They were just there for the free food and the free drinks. And so they come in and they're the audience. And the host says, uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have our guest speaker here tonight all the way from Canada who's gonna share his amazing story of how God saved him. I looked at the crowd of rather inebriated non-bowlers. I looked at my story and I thought, this isn't gonna cut it. So, I lied through my teeth. I made up the most impressive, conver impressive conversion story ever heard on the Isle of Guernsey. It involved a hockey game, it involved a puck, it involved me going comatose and seeing bright lights and a living vision of the Lord Jesus. And the whole time, I knew, I know, I know, just put, I just put the Lord on call waiting and I said, we'll sort this out later. Well. <laughs> They'd never heard anything quite like it, and neither had I, and, um, you know, obviously didn't have any impact on their lives, um, and we got back to where I was staying that night, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a tough prayer time, so I even, for the first time in my life, I haven't done it since, I knelt down next to my bed, and I, I just, I didn't even know what to say, I just started, oh, Lord, 
And uh, what was so incredible is I had this distinct feeling in my heart where it's as if Jesus said, I know, it's okay. I thought he'd be angry. I was waiting, you know, trying to stay under the, uh, you know, the, the most secure parts of the room. So if lightning struck, I'd be fine. You know, I thought it was done, right? I thought I'd, I'd done the worst thing. I thought I'd grieve the Holy Spirit. But instead, I hear this, this sense from, from the Lord saying, it's okay. I know exactly why you did it, and I get it. And it, the kindness of God in that moment, that obviously he'd heard every word, that he knew me, and that he still loved me, I ended up praying something I never thought I'd pray, which was, Lord Jesus, based on that, any opportunity you open up, I will share my faith. And I'll stick to what you've done. No more hockey games. And I'll just go for it. Just open it up. I thought I'd be fine if I broadcasted a certain portrait, if I sent certain signals, if I could only impress the audience that that would be the Lord's work. And that was before social media. That was before I had a mobile phone. And now the temptation is even greater. So that experience utterly changed me because I knew, I I discovered something about him. We live in a world we can virtue signal and project an image for people to see around us in order to impress them, maybe to get accepted. And what happens is there can be this divide that opens up, this gap that opens up between the front stage that everyone sees and the backstage that nobody sees. So that the person I look at when I shave first thing in the morning is different than the face you see. And the work of the Spirit is to close that gap. And that's the goal in life, is that we're the same person when no one's looking and when everyone's looking. Authentic faith is all about Jesus. It's about being led by him. It's about being loved by him. It's about being shaped by him and empowered by him and doing it in community. That's why we're so excited that pastors are starting very shortly this week and we'll begin the rollout. Maybe some of us here in this room have all experienced what it means to be known and not loved, to be known and rejected. Maybe some of us have experienced what it means to be loved, but not known. But what Jesus invites us into is to be loved and completely known. That's the starting place of true authenticity. And it begins with the realization that yes, he knows us completely. Nothing's hidden from him. He, and he, yet he still loves us completely, despite the ugliness of our sin and the brokenness in our lives. He invites us in. It's kind of like our opening prayer, which is called the, you, you know, I call it, oh, you got me, right? That, I don't know if you, how you felt as we, I guess we prayed every Sunday, so it's no big surprise, but it's the collect uh, for purity. It begins like this, almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known. From you, no secrets are hid. (laughs) You know, anyone else want to run the moment we say that? I'm like, oh, gee, if this is really, really true, which it is, what do we do now? Well, we take that next step, which is to come close, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. How can he cleanse our hearts? But it's by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. 
that we might respond to your love with our love, that we might perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Whew. And like, we haven't even started yet, right? That's just the opening prayer after the opening hymn. And it's an invitation that Jesus makes to us that seeks to undo maybe some of the pain, some of the hurt, some of the experiences we've had in life. And then we come to our passage, uh, our gospel reading. Um, If you turn in your order of service, your bulletin on page seven, you'll see it there which is, again, such a compelling chapter, a compelling, such a compelling number of verses. If you look down with me at verse 28, Jesus says, come to me. Here again, we see Jesus initiating, come, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we're talking about authenticity. And again, we begin with this this place that God loves us and knows us. And he's inviting us into this honest relationship with not just him, but in community. So the world would see, right? So that we as we're shaped by him, receive his love, molded by him, we become a little window into what it looks like to be an authentic Christian. People see how we live our lives. And then the last questions, and in asking the questions, hopefully, if you don't do what I did, that's a story in the bowling alley, um, we just put little frame up around the window they've just looked into so they can begin to understand and here we have it, this, this insight into what Jesus is seeking to do in these verses. Come to me. It's, it's an invitation. But it's an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to make a decision based on what we know and who we know. So it's an invitation to make a decision to trust Jesus personally. It's not enough to just merely know about him. But that's important, it has its place. But it's about knowing what he's like. It's about developing an emotional connection with him and discovering what he's like. And how do we do it? It's, you know, there's nothing new here. It's the the tried and tested ways handed down to us from generations of developing lives of prayer where we speak to him, to get to know him, and where we read the scriptures. And I have friends who every year read the Bible in a year, and I'm so thankful for them because that's not how I'm wired. I take, you know, maybe a verse a week. You know, I'm more of a contemplative when it comes to the reading of scriptures, but it's getting his word into us because that's the seedbed of really discovering what he thinks And it's the way that he can pour his hope into our hearts as we discover what it is that he said. And so it really is about entering into relationship with him and in community where we receive from him and we receive from his people. And that's a huge challenge for some of us. 
to receive. Because everything up till now has been all about what we can do and how hard we can work. Well, let's look down, verse 29. Uh, no, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Well, Jesus is speaking to a very specific situation here in the first century that may or may not apply. I'll leave it up to you. But he's talking about those who labor and are heavy laden. He's referring to the immediate group in front of him who have become oppressed by this theory in religious life and in, in, in life in the day that the burden is on you to earn God's love and to earn your place amongst God's people. I don't know, is that prevalent today? I often find myself trying to earn God's love and earn God's favor, and it's, you know, it's just a never-ending downward spiral. And so that who's, that's, those are the people he's inviting to himself, those who are weighed down, oppressed even, by the burden of trying to earn God's love and God's favor when, they, when we already have it. And the wider, the wider application here in verse 28 and 29 is what he offers. Let me read it to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The rest he's talking about is this, ah, I've already got it. Anyone ever have that nightmare over and over that you're sitting for a test and you haven't studied? Or you're about to go on stage and perform and you, have, you don't know your lines? Or I could go on and on the different iterations. And all of a sudden, what we see here in Jesus is that just come to me and you will, and I will give to you that assurance that I'm with you, that I love you, that you, and you can't earn it. Eternal rest for all who seek forgiveness and who seek freedom from this particular way of seeing life, which is that I need to earn and work for the approval and love of God, which leads to guilt and leads to all kinds of other patterns of behavior. And in verse 29, he talks about a yoke, take my yoke upon you, which is kind of a, you know, agrarian example. Um, theologians amongst us, even in this room, will have a hundred different ways to explain it. And I love this, though. It was simply a wooden frame joining two animals, usually oxen, for pulling heavy loads. And at the time of Jesus' life, it was used as a metaphor to talk of one person being under the control of another. So Jesus is taking, like, a, you know, a well-known illustration, and he's flipping it. And he's contrasting what the Pharisees were talking about of how you need to follow this extensive list of activities and of purity laws in order to be seen as acceptable in the eyes of God. And he's flipping it to talk about his kind of way, an ancient way, handed down, that began with Moses, that Jesus is now fulfilling, a way that talks about a relationship with God where said of Moses that Moses would speak to God face to face as one friend speaks to another. So Jesus' yoke of discipleship flips the whole paradigm where his way is a way that brings rest by being known. 
That's, a, that's where authentic faith comes from. It's about being known by God. Again, some of us have been known and not loved. Some of us have been loved and not known. Just have that shallow experience. And what the Lord Jesus invites us is the best, which is to be completely loved and completely known, true authenticity. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Mere Christianity. God made us, invented us as man invents an engine. It's like we are a car made to run on gas. And just as a car would not run properly on anything else but gas, now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn. He himself is the food that our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. God knows us. God loves us. So we seek to be honest about who we truly are. And we trust that in his grace, God loves us in our brokenness because that's what he's like. So as I close, just a couple words of application. Our world is crying out for authenticity. It may not be articulated in the way, in this way, but our culture is seeking examples, models of authentic life, authentic Christianity. The Apostle Paul says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So the world is looking for people to follow and we see it everywhere. And our invitation is to follow Jesus so that others might see us and follow us. It's a bit terrifying, I know, but let's just think, let's just drill down a little bit. What about our children? And I'm not just speaking to parents, I'm speaking to all of the adults present. What our children need, in addition to everything else you provide for them, is that we're authentic followers of Jesus. Not perfect, but authentic. If we're telling our children the way to handle worry is to pray, when we worry, do we pray? I was on a walk with Ethan a couple months ago, my oldest son, who's 10, and he said, Dad, I really need to talk to you about something. I, I braced myself. I thought he wanted to talk about something that he might have seen. He was very serious, and, and I thought he wanted to talk about something he might have seen online that wasn't appropriate or something else. And he said, just you, Dad. Let the others go ahead. So we waited, and I girded up, you know, all the things I tried to remember about this kind of conversation. And he said to me, Dad, I'm really worried we're not making the most of our pre-tax dollars. I said, where did you get that from? Oh, I've just finished reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so we've been talking about money. And he wants to know all about tithing. But the question is, if we talk about, to our children about tithing, are we tithing? It's not about sanitizing life so our children don't see the difficult stuff because then they don't see authentic faith. They see a version of faith that may not help them when they face challenges. And so it's not about hiding the challenges, it's about giving them a window into our faith so they can see our faith in action. And then when the conversation comes, maybe not about pre-tax dollars, but if you need an hour-long conversation with a 10-year-old about that, 
I've Googled. Um, but it's about giving them a, a window into our faith in action and then putting a frame around it. So they begin to see, ah, this is beginning to make sense. It's letting them into the process. And this will require two things of us. Two things of us to have authentic faith. We need to receive from the living God as much as we can. We just need to receive, find ways to receive. You know, think, make a list and then just go through it. How can you receive more from the Lord? If you want to talk about prayer, we'll happily talk about prayer. You want to talk about reading the scriptures, or, you know, we could talk about that. That's kind of what we're paid to do, Chris and I. And the second thing we need is we need to do it all in community. Our boys love the adults in their lives who they've met at church because it helps them understand, see things in a way that though we would say the same thing, they don't quite get because we're too close. And then as he heals us from our wounds and mends our brokenness, we take his invitation with the power of the Holy Spirit to come as you are. Just to come as you are. He loves you as you are. Come and receive from him and be known to him with others. Let me just finish with one last story. Do you mind if I indulge? So just before lockdown happened, COVID happened, the most ridiculous thing happened. I got a, a phone call from um, a faculty member at the seminary where I trained asking if I would come to England to be on a panel to talk for a week about evangelism. And I laughed. I said, well, did you ever hear what happened on my, you know, he was there when I was there. He said, yeah, we heard all about it. How the bowling and the hockey, he said, yeah, we love that story. I said, well, I never told anyone. He said, no, you told the person you were staying with who's, um, when was my best man at my wedding, Ed, and he told everyone, because he thought it was so funny. <laughs> and we'd like you to come, and um, N.T. Wright's gonna be doing the theology in the morning. We want you to take the students out onto the streets and do street evangelism. I said, all right, fair enough. And so I went, and um, we were there, and we were walking through this town, the center of town of Oxford, and there was one of these charity muggers. You know what charity muggers are? They kind of come up, you say, hey, do you have time today for hungry children in Africa who have no limbs? You know, those kind of like the crazy, and they say, all we need is a dollar a day from you. You know, they're just trying to, anyway, we got talking to this woman, and uh, she said, there's something different about you two. I said, yeah. And they said, you know, I, I, I was reading my horoscope today, and it said that it was going to have a significant conversation that was going to keep me from doing my work. And I said, yeah, this is now. <laughs> and she said, well, what do you have to say to me? I said, if you could meet a God who knows you completely and loves you completely, would you be interested in meeting him? And she went full on. She was totally unchurched. She acted, it was rather embarrassing. You know, England, everything's kind of... And she just, yes, I would. And she kind of took on this power stance, like Shira, the princess of power. And she said, what do I need to do? And people are stopping and said, well, we just need to ask him into your life. And so we prayed with him, prayed with her and led her into a simple prayer. And then we said, do you mind if we pray that you'd be filled with his love? And we laid hands on her and prayed for her. And she had a dramatic encounter. And then she began to tell us of the brokenness in her family about her parents in, in that situation, yet she felt, said, what is this? 
said, this is the God who loves you, who knows you completely and loves you completely. So, you know, I started off one place, ended up in another, and, you know, it's incredible how the Lord does that. And authenticity, as I close, is this invitation to come as you are. So I don't know what you, you, you dealt with this morning on your way in or, or last night or this last weekend. But God knows you, and he, he knows it. He understands, and he loves you. And he's inviting you in to a safe place, a place he's prepared, a place of grace where you can grow in your understanding of how much he loves you. So why don't we pray? Why don't we stand? We'll be standing in a moment anyway for the creed. And I just want to pause and pray for anyone where you might feel it's that sense of you've been known and not loved or maybe loved and not known. And this invitation to be loved and completely known is perhaps foreign. And Lord, by your spirit, would you come now and touch hearts? Would you make your heart known for them? Lord, for those of us who life seems to have become bitter and as we've heard over these last, this last month about the work you've done in, in the life of Ruth and Naomi, I pray for those who, who feel that, that you would come into their hearts now so that life would become pleasant again from the bitterness. Lord, we ask that as, as adults, for the sake of this next generation, for these children, that you've entrusted into our care as a community, that you would give us what we need to be able to model to them authentic Christian faith, that they might know even in this season that they are loved completely and known completely by you and that our relationships with them would be an extension of that perfect love. And even now, Lord, we pray for any parents for whom this is a challenging season. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask for your assurance, Lord, that you are with them. And we pray, Lord, for those of us who have a tendency to strive. Help us learn how to receive. Lord, would you lead us as a community as we seek to explore what it means to continue to grow in authenticity. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.